Hey everyone, it's Dane. I just got back from my annual pilgrimage to WPPI, that's Nielsen's Wedding and Portrait Professionals International Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. Not everyone in those segments of our industry can make it out, but thousands do. In fact, it's not a stretch to suggest that it's a microcosm of our industry, at least I think so. It's Vegas, so as you might imagine, it has that conference, trade show, party kind of atmosphere. For some photographers, it can feel like an escape. For veterans of the show, it can feel like a reunion. For first-timers, it can feel, well, overwhelming. This week's question, though, comes from someone who's been to the event before, but has noticed a trend in her experience coming home. Over the last couple of years, Kathleen Seiler began to notice some consistent feelings that seemed out of alignment with what she was expecting. So she started to ask herself why she was feeling the way she was. I was actually working on a completely different WPPI recap show before I received Kathleen's question, but when I heard it, I decided it was too important to pass up. I had to move it to the front of the line. It's not only good, but if my hunch is right, hers is a question many feel, but few are brave enough to ask out loud. Our theme this week, what happens in Vegas comes home with you. I'm Dane Sanders, and this is Converge. Hi, Dane. This is Kathleen Tyler. I am calling from La Habra Heights, California. The last couple of years, I've gone to WPPI and had great speakers, met some great people that I'm still in contact with. But every time I leave, I feel so discouraged, so behind, so overwhelmed, completely opposite from what I expect. I want to know why it is that after I go to WPPI and I am expecting to leave all enthusiastic and ready to go, I feel completely overwhelmed, lost, and not up to par. What I'm hearing in your question seems to have a lot to do with your come from, like your perspective coming into a place like WPPI or an experience where you're going to get a lot of input and a lot of data. So my questions might seem like from left field, but are you open to me just being real direct with some stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, as a photographer, are you the primary breadwinner in your home? Yes. Okay. And is there any other income? Um, not really. No, I get uh, child support. That's it. Okay. But there is some other income that comes in. Yes. Yes. Okay. But it doesn't count in your mind. Why doesn't it count? Because it's not very much? Because it's, because yeah, it's not very much. Okay. So when you come to a place like WPPI, I want you to picture how you were feeling going in. Like, was it an anticipation of excitement that this was going to be the one, like you're going to go to WPPI this time around and it was going to be different. Like you're going to get something and everything was going to change at home. Is that a fair statement or how would you nuance that differently? That's, that's a fair statement, maybe a little more than I was expecting, but I really did it. I, I expected since this was my second full conference that I was going to feel a little more at home. A little more at home. What does that home mean? Comfortable, not intimidated or feeling like I, I'm just not moving fast enough. Then you get to Las Vegas and you're wandering around and you go and you hear some different teachers and it doesn't matter who you heard exactly, but you were left with the feeling of what? That I'm not moving fast enough. Hmm. And then, and, and, and frustration because I know why I'm limited and that's because of my full-time job. You have a full-time job? Yeah. What's your full-time job? 
I'm a legal assistant. So do they pay you? Okay, so but, it pays well. That's the problem. <laughs> no, but let's let's slow way down here because remember my first question at the beginning, and I said, "Do you make any other income besides photography?" And you said, "No." Oh, I thought you you said income. <laughs> yes, I make an income. Okay. Sorry. No, but this is perfect. In fact, I think this conversation is going on in people's minds all the time because yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that you're passionate about photography. You really want photography to be your thing. It's not yes. your thing yet. Because thankfully, you know, you have money coming in from some other place. You come to WPPI and all you do is you get reminded of, wow, I'm still not where I want to be. Yeah, I keep getting reminded how stuck I am. So in a sense, going to Vegas is like rubbing your nose in, I'm not where I want to be yet. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, in a way. It looks so easy for, for everybody else. You know, I go see the speakers and yeah, I expect them to be in a better place, but it just looks so much easier. Like I feel like I should be there. No wonder you come home feeling a little defeated. My goodness, you had expectations, <laughs> and then and yeah. then, and then all this comparison stuff. Can you see why it would be discouraging? Like guaranteed every time. Oh yeah, it takes me a couple of days to work through it, and then I realize where I'm going. So <laughs> then you have another year to gear up and go again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm already frustrated on a daily basis that I'm not where I feel like I should be. I'm approaching that goal age. (laughs) I said I was going to quit my job (laughs) and it's not happening quick enough. I feel like, okay, I should be going faster. I should be going faster. You know, it really gets overwhelming. It's like too much information, information overload. And then, you know, then you don't do anything for a while. And by you, you mean you. Yeah. I did a little research. I took 150 people at this WPPI and I said, okay, how many of you are men and how, how many of you are women? And 71% were women, 29% men. Really? Yep. Is that surprising? Wow. Yeah, because it's really been male dominated, it seems. Well, we'll see on that. So that's the first thing to suggest. And second, I asked how many are full time and how many are part time? And 30% were part-time and 70% were full-time. So almost the exact same numbers. But here's the kicker. Check this out. Of the men, 40% were part-time and 60% were full-time. That's fine. But of the women, 27% were part-time and 73% were full-time. But here's what I make up about that 73% number. I would bet you dimes to dollars that most of those 73% have some alternative source of income. Meaning yeah. they have a spouse, they have another job, Absolutely. they whatever, but they consider their photography full-time when it's not really full-time. It's just their, yeah. dream, their dream that it would be full-time. Well, and, and they probably don't work. Well, so, they, you know, these are stay-at-home moms that get to... <laughs> well, they work. They work in their photo business, but they... Right, right. But I mean, they don't have an obligation to go to a daily job. But even notice in your language right now. So mm-hmm. they don't really work. They just do photography. Well, it's not working. Well, but notice that that's pretty radical, yeah. friend. Like that's yeah. gonna, that's going to get in your own way here pretty quick, and it has. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't count, like it's just no, it counts. It counts. But I guess I guess I just feel resentful because I don't have who are you, resent- you know that who are you resentful toward? Well, I would imagine partly me because you know I I didn't think that uh, you know twenty some years ago that I could have done it. But we're not 27 years ago. We're today. Yeah. 
So really, this is about regret. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my assertion. Fantasy, by definition, always leads to despair. So by fantasizing and comparing and envying, notice those those cardinal sins in the Bible. <laughs> you, <laughs> as you continue to practice those habitually, you're left in a place of despair. So no wonder you come home from WPI and feel discouraged. So after the conversation with Kathleen, I was really struck by the idea that a lot of people I think could relate to her story. And the person that I thought would really speak into it is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Amanda Picone and she lives in New York and many of you know her. Uh, she's a prominent leader in our Better Together community, both in and around the Long Island area, but way beyond that as well. And she is someone who I trust because like many of her East Coast sisterhood and brethren, they call it like it is out there and they speak very candidly. And she is someone who actually has this experience of being married, having a third party in their home, their dog Brody, but she and Joel, they understand how to work it out in a school of hard knocks. She was full-time at a law firm and then running her photo business at night and starting over the next morning. And she comes into this conversation from the perspective of being where I think Kathleen was just a few years ago. So Amanda, when you think of, and you've heard Kathleen's story, what comes to mind for you? Basically, I go back to that point where I was at that law firm and, you know, I would travel an hour and a half to two hours into the city every day, go to work for eight hours, kind of drone through my day, come home and immediately get working on my photography business, which was obviously the part that I loved. But it involved a lot of late hours. Like you said, I would be up till 4 a.m., go to sleep for a couple hours, take a nap, and uh, be up at 6 a.m. to go back to work the next day. And I had gone to WPPI during that time, and I experienced that same exact burnout. I call it the convention burnout because I had gone to a few that year. It just wound up, I feel like, stressing me out more than helping me. So what was your attitude going to these events? I mean, when you think about the, the conference burnout, what were you looking for at these events? I feel like I was looking for everything, and that was the problem. I wanted to meet every single vendor. I wanted to look at every album offered, every print company, see what everyone could give to me. I went to as many classes as I could. I took pages worth of notes and didn't really put any thought behind what I was writing down or where I was going or why. There was no real why. It was just, I need to see everything. I'm here. I need to take it all in. So by going after everything, you got nothing. Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. And then what, what shifted for you? Um, well, after I had my little burnout experience, I took a year off from going to any kind of seminars, from doing anything really. And it was also during that period that I quit my job. Talk a little bit about the progression of your job, because I know a little bit of this story, but <laughs> you, you, you were on the legal side and then you got on the human resource side. And what, what happened? Um, yeah, well, I was I was working in, I, I started off as a receptionist. I was going to school to be a legal assistant. And when I got to the law firm and started working with lawyers and everything, I realized that I hated it. And it was exactly the opposite of what I wanted to be doing. So I was looking for any kind of advancement in my firm at that point, And I wound up going for a job in human resources. Got the job, was great, really excited to move up, but learned that in human resources, I would kind of play the role of the soul crusher. 
<laughs> I was just telling people, well, no, you can't take vacation time this week. And yeah, uh, you were 15 minutes late this morning. So I'm going to have to dock you. And yeah, it was pretty awful. <laughs> so you're in this kind of work that doesn't seem to resonate with what you want to do, but yet it's revenue. It's paying some bills and you're thinking, I want to go do this other thing. Meanwhile, Joel, I'm assuming at that time was working yeah, and bringing in some revenue for you guys. So in a sense, he, he gave you kind of a leg up, but that you really wanted to make a leap because, and, and I know it's not inexpensive to pull off life where you live, to leave that and go full-time with photography with no guarantee of revenue coming in the door. What was that like? It was really, really scary. And I had, I had started a game plan probably the September before I left work and I was going to stay for another year. I was going to, you know, get my Christmas bonus and I was going to get my raise and see what that was like. And I was going to get my, you know, we get a little bonus at the time that you got the raise. So I was going to get all that and just kind of see where it went and give it another year to really get things going and get on my feet. Except for that Christmas, there was no raise. They had completely canceled all raises throughout the firm. There was no bonus. There was nothing. So I really had nothing to look forward to. By the time January rolled around, I just started really looking into my finances and looking into what was coming in. And I realized that I had enough jobs for the upcoming year to support me for that year. And my husband and I talked it over and we agreed that if we could just make it through that year, then we would be there. Things would be a little bit easier. And it was basically either leap and try to succeed at something I love or stay miserable and quit the photography end because it was burning me out so bad. So a little bit sooner than expected, we decided to leap. <laughs> well, that's significant because it means that you had, first of all, you had a number in mind mm -hmm. and you were really clear on what you wanted to accomplish. And you and Joel had a plan, like you thought through, I want to go for this. And it became evident that the pain that you were experiencing in your work relative to the possibility of not only getting relief, but really fulfilling dreams was worth making the jump. And I'm curious, when you got enough of a plan, I'm guessing a ton of sacrifice to take on that year without a guarantee, psychologically, there must have been a hurdle for you to overcome of this might not work. Like it's, it was a vulnerability. You had to put yourself in a tough spot. Absolutely. I mean, there were so many hurdles. It was, am I good enough? Can I do this? What about when the year is up? But I feel like those insecurities is what pushed me to make sure that I lasted through the year and beyond. And that was three years ago. So that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> well, well, it's a great sign. I mean, three years is, is in many cases, the magic number. You go from like, how do I just survive to you've been through a number of cycles where you know what it's like to not make any money. You know what it's like to make a fair amount, amount of money and you're wise enough to not spend it all when you make it. There's so many pieces to that kind of progression. But I guess what I'm thinking about is for folks who are at home and are listening, there's a number of takeaways from what you're describing. Number one, getting really clear on where am I going um, and, and what, what kind of sacrifices are you willing to make, both in the real world, but also psychologically, like even when you have self-doubt, even when you don't think you can do it, like everyone, doesn't everyone experience that on some level? Oh, absolutely. So look at that square in the face and go, yeah, it's worth taking a risk on me. I'm going to double down here without a guarantee. Like there's no guarantees in this, in this game. And by the way, there's no guarantees like you described. I love the story of you being in HR and saying there's no bonus this year because there's no guarantees there either. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so striking in this kind of creative world that we live in is at least when you're creative, 
if you don't have revenue coming in, you can go beat some bushes down. If you go work for somebody else and it doesn't come through the way you're hoping or you get laid off or, you know, whatever, you don't have a lot of power to go do anything. Exactly. So if you had one piece of advice you'd want to give the Kathleen's of the world, what, what would that be? I guess my best advice would be to go into everything with a plan. I know that that's kind of a boring answer, but like I mentioned earlier, when I went to WPPI this year, I had a plan and I, I didn't experience that burnout and I did leave with that energized, reflect, refreshed, like excited, ready to tackle feeling this year for the first time out of any of these workshops and seminars and things that I've gone to. And that's because I went into it with a plan. So much like when I left my job, I had a plan. And I, I don't know that I had a backup plan or, or a fallback, but, um, but that initial plan really made the difference. I get the initial plan like when you jump ship from legal to entrepreneur. What was your plan going into Vegas? Okay, so going into Vegas, my plan was to not go everything crazy. I basically mapped out in advance what vendors I wanted to meet with. And to be honest with you, I've, I've already established most of my vendor relationships. So in most cases, it was more or less just, I want to go hug these people. I went to my album supplier and I met the owner and I met uh, one of the girls that I've been in contact with. And I was like, I just want to hug you guys because you've been so awesome to me for the past couple of years. And you've really helped me out, especially this year. They were amazing. So that, that was one of my goals was to go connect with people on a, on a little bit more of a real level and not so much on a what can you do for me level, but on a thank you kind of level. And with the classes, I went knowing kind of what I wanted to take from it as opposed to just going and writing down every single thing, I, I knew like, okay, well, I wanna to go to this class and this is what I expect to take away from it. So that I wasn't just feverishly jotting notes, I was really listening and taking it all in. What strikes me about what you're saying, Amanda, is, is in many ways, it sounds like the first couple of times you were going to these kinds of things, you were more like a consumer and what you're describing right now is more like you're a professional. like to go and hug your vendors is <laughs> like going and hugging. If you're a CEO of a company, which you are going and hugging your employees, which they are yeah. and, and, and uh, appreciating the good work they're doing because they empower the ability to have the company exist. And for you to go to an educational experience and think through what am I trying to get out of this or what am I here for? That sounds like professional development, which is what, happens in corporations is professionals go after what they need for pieces that if they get it, they know they can take their business to the next level. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. It's, it's, it was kind of a shift of, okay, so what can everyone here do for me to what can I do for myself while I'm here? Where do we go from here? Well, first, why not reconsider what success means for you? like in a custom way. Your circumstances, commitments, obligations, opportunities, they're all about you, they're custom. And what's crazy is we actually live in a choose your own adventure world. Sure, you can be inspired and learn from others. I mean, look at this show. If you listen to any of the cool audio programming that's on the radio these days, it won't take a rocket scientist to figure out who inspires me. I love you, Ira Glass, but inspiration is a different thing than creative implementation. If you're going to create for a living, you ultimately need to find your own map and your own compass to navigate. I might just add the compass might be more important. Second, 
Give success a metric. For example, if you're going to an educational event like WPPI, decide in advance what your goals are. Reconnect with friends, sure. Learn one idea in depth, excellent. Find one new workflow, one new tool. That's it, just one to implement. Give yourself a measuring stick you can attain, and then if you beat it, you're totally in bonus territory. And third, choose to be comfortable in your own skin. Cliches aside, what if you really are your best option? After a week in Las Vegas, one thing I'm sure of, my bet's on you. This was episode 003 of Converge, empowering the business of creativity. FastTrackCreative.com is our home base. You can find everything we've got there from community to resources to a recorder right there on the screen to courageously ask your own question. Remember, geniuses click green. The music for Converge provided by TripleScoopMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks again to Kathleen and all of our special guests. I'm your host, Dane Sanders. See you here next time.